0: Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the word of God to dwell in you richly. Good morning and welcome to Epiphany Fellowship Sunday morning gathering. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us. I hate that we're not able to gather. We're praying that God will give us the grace for all of this to either fall now uh, in relation to the virus and that we would be able to be back together or we would create some creative ways to be together while social distancing and experiencing one another with God present. And so I miss my Epiphany Fellowship family, miss you, miss you, miss coming together, miss the opportunity that we have to do what we do, what we've been doing and um, I'm excited What's coming up is our anniversary, and so we're trying to figure out what it's going to look like for us to be together for our 14th uh, church anniversary. Well, you know we're in a new series on cancel culture. This series has really been a series about dealing with some of the issues that we are working through today, so that we can have framework for what we are to do for God's glory and have clarity on it. So today, um, I want us to turn to Genesis chapter one, verse 26 through 28. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. Let's go. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his image, in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Here it is, verse 28. God blessed them, that's him and her, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the face of the earth, or on the earth. Um, I would like to talk about in our time today, as we come together in our Cancer Culture series number two, I'd like to talk about what I mean when I say black lives matter. What do I mean? What I mean uh, when we say black lives, when I say black lives matter, let's go before the Lord. Lord God Almighty, maker of all things, we are exuberant about the opportunity to get clarity from the Scriptures. And so, God, as children are listening, um, parents are listening, I'm praying that you would help this sermon really to be a point of discussion for families and singles, and uh, 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 for 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 parents to have a biblical framework to help their children, particularly if they're ch- black children, to under help them to understand that the scriptures teach that their lives matter. And so, God, I wanna I wanna make the most of that, Lord God. I want us to make the most of it. And I'm praying that it would be even a point of mission and how we engage and how we have a framework and foundation for why we hold up a sign that says Black Lives Matter. Help us know that it's not just political, for political ecstasy that we do what we do or following culture, but we're following something that's a part of the origin and epistemology Uh, 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 of how you created us as human beings. Be with us today, God. We're praying for fresh oil, fresh anointing, fresh clarity, open hearts, open minds, and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What I uh, I mean when I say Black Lives Matter, last week uh, I received a video from somebody in my DMs, uh, and the video, matter of fact, no, it was tagged to me on on my page on Facebook, and it was of a family of four. Um, it was a black woman and several uh, black children. Uh, two of the black children that I can remember, one was 17 and one was six years old. They uh, were thought to have had something to do with uh, a vehicle being stolen of some type. What bewildered me though, family of God, was not that a black family got pulled over, but what I saw when the family got pulled over. The six-year-old daughter was handcuffed by the police. Six-year-old daughter handcuffed by the police. And from my recollection, I've never, maybe y'all can YouTube it, maybe y'all can Google it and find it. I've never seen a white kid at 6 years old handcuffed. I can't imagine what that family is going through and what type of post-trauma therapy that that child has to go through. In Galveston, Texas, 11 months ago, a guy was convicted of a particular crime, black man, of a particular uh, felony, and he was guilty. He was guilty, he was guilty. However, however, the police on two horses, one of them had a noose tied to his wrists. And with the noose tied to his wrist, he's carrying him through town while he has the noose tied to him and he's having to walk down the street. And someone's videoing it because they are absolutely appalled that they're seeing something out of Django. And as they're looking out of Django, a, a movie, they're like, this looks like Django, what's happening here with the man being carried down the street. And so we have to be very, very careful of recognizing that we're not just making stuff up, but this stuff is a reality. Again, you would never see a white man or white woman being uh, a dragged by a or held with a rope with police on horses that point back to uh, slave patrols of transporting slaves. But, that, but that's a whole other story. Y'all think that was it? Business owner, uh, Kareem Ayanaian, I'm, I'm not saying it right, sorry. Handcuffed in his own house after alarm went off. Another story. He's a, doc, he's a business owner. Dr. Armin Henderson was handcuffed in front of his pr- a house while he was preparing uh, to test the homeless for the COVID virus. And while a police was passing by, he saw some of the items on the street that he was uh, by his van that he was going to utilize to help the homeless. The police came over and, and, and wondered whether or not he lived there and was going give, to give him a ticket for, uh, for, uh, 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 for littering. It's mind-boggling to me that anyone would ask the question, why in the world would we say that black lives matter? Because when we look around us, the only lives that's being perpetuated and experiencing the most degradating partiality, impartiality, is black people, black men and black women. And somebody say, well, racism is on the rise in our country, nah. Racism isn't on the rise or getting worse. It's just getting videotaped. It's always been like this for us. So for us, this is just our experience on video. So some other things that played into how we've been viewed in this country is what have we been called in this country? We've been called nigger, coon, mooly, jiggaboo, eggplant, jungle bunny. I can, I can keep going with all of the different things that we've been called in this country. But black people, and our problem is, is that we've taken on much of the lingo of self-hatred through colorism and through playing in the stereotypes. Even when our African brothers and sisters come into the country when I was little, you know what we call them, you African blank, blank scratcher. You know what we're talking about. In other words, uh, uh, um, black women who are too dark-skinned aren't viewed as marriable. You're cute because you're dark. In other words, uh, 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 you're cute to be a dark person. You're cute to be dark-skinned. And what ends up happening is the colorism that has been in the broader history of our country has made its way into the matrix, into the matrix of our Communities and we have to work through that and we have to challenge through that and we have to even fight that But there are ways in which blacks have tried to fight We've tried to fight these things a a, a black groups and many of us have sought to Develop human dignity language in whatever way and particularly those groups they will say you you were kings and queens. We was we civilized the white man. We we were the original man you were uh, you you are the chosen people Uh, Certain groups say, and you are a God. There are these massive attempts to redeem dignity through, I would say, superlative communication that doesn't necessarily root itself in biblical reality. And so, phases that we've gone through of renaming ourselves, please stay with me. I got to build this because I really want us to get the framing of this. (coughs) Phrases of renaming ourselves. So, Carl Ellison, in this book, Free at Last, talks about this. He says, these phases represent various ways of understanding ourselves and our situation. He says, they are as follows. We went from color to neocolor to negro to neo-negro to black. Uh, we went through the black phase and five black sub phases, and now we're in the black awareness phase, and then we went to the black power phase, and then we went to the black revolution phase, then we went through the neo-black revolution phase, and then we went through the neo-Pan-African phase. And so now we calling ourselves nowadays we G's. You understand know what I'm saying? We goddesses and gods, we we kings and and queens, we and now we the melanated people. We we got so many ways of trying to. Uh, give a byline or a tag or an adjective to ourselves in order to utilize some type of verbal communication within the black community to be able to begin, listen, to, 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 to supply a dignity language that lets us know that innate and even fallen humanity, the Imago Day still exists. The image of God still exists. And as the image of God still exists, guess what we're doing, family? Guess what we're doing? We're trying to. Figure out a way even in our fallenness of how do I give myself dignity that has been taken from me. We'll come later to how our dignity has been robbed, how our dignity has been stolen, how our dignity has been stripped, and how we're looking to God to redeem it. And I know what you're asking. What about Black Lives Matter versus the Black Lives Matter movement, the organization versus the movement? We'll come to that in a minute. Let's get in the (coughs) text. So... As we talk about in our Cancer Culture series, what I mean when I say black lives matter, number one. Number one point and only point I got for you today. Black life must be elevated, must be elevated, must be elevated to the God ordained place, place God created it to be in. Let me say this again. Black life must be elevated to the God-ordained place God created it to be in. This is very important. Now notice that I didn't say this as I gave this point. Notice that I didn't say given equality with white life or standard that isn't having to do with life, white life because our standard isn't to become or get what white people have. That's not the standard, no. That's, that's a low standard. The standard is <clears throat> what has God ordained for all humanity and, are, and is black people, our black people, are able to maximize their experience in the Imago Dei without unjust hinges and handcuffs that aren't helping us to move forward into the hinges of society. And so when we talk about black life must be elevated to the God-ordained place God created it to be in, Look at verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us, and I know people uh, use this for the Trinity, or some use it for the divine counsel of the angels, uh, angels coming and, uh, uh, and partaking in watching God's creative work, or or it's the tr- it's God calling Himself in His plurality of attributes. Uh, uh, to, to be able to come down, whether it's plurality of person or plurality of attributes to create. Whichever one you take is fine, but God created everything. The, 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 the goal is God created everything. A, and he initiates making man. Now, what he says is, let's let make man in our image according to our likeness. That is a big phrase. Now, that phrase is such a massive phrase in the framework of our faith that we have to be able to break that down, and what we have to do is we got to understand and develop and work through, because you, you need to take some notes, and I'm going to have the guys put this stuff up here. I, I, I really want you to get this, these things, because when we talk about a life mattering biblically, it has to be rooted in the image of God. It has to be rooted in God's intention for it. It can't just re- be limited to the laws and a constitution. Those are good things, but it, has to, uh, 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 but, but it has to be elevated above those particular things in order for it to have its eternal and theological root in the fact that God created man to reflect him. Equality flows from being like God, right? So, 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 so we're gonna see this in the, as, as we work through this. So as we work through this idea, Of God (coughs) making man in his image. It's important that we're not just talking about black people in his image. So it's not just saying white people in his image. Why? Because Acts chapter 17, verse 26 through about the verse 30, it says, From one man, talking about Adam, he has made every nationality. This is dope. What is his purpose? To live over the whole earth, this is going. This is going back to the text we're in, Genesis, and He's determined their appointed times when, he, when, when, when we should exist, and the boundaries of where they live. Ain't they beautiful? that beautiful? That God sovereignly made you your ethnicity, your ethnicity. God specifically made you in your ethnicity. So if God made you in your ethnicity, and I'm talking specifically to black people, if God made you black, how in the world should anybody look down on what God has created if God created that person to be in that particular ethnicity? But not only that, he created your geographical boundaries where your nationality functionally lives out, and it should be uninhibited by human handcuffs. But then it says... He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps might reach out and find him. I like the way the old translation, it says, or feel their way towards him. I I like that, to feel their way towards him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live, move, and have our being. Even some of your own poets, look at that, he's using their poets, unredeemed poets as a way in the word of God to communicate something to them. That's a whole other story. Even some of your poets said, <coughs> For we are also his offspring. So he said, He said, I know you were talking about something else, but ultimately that was pointing to the living God. So, what does it mean when it talks about his, his offspring or his image? The Bible says we made in his likeness and his image. Man, in the reality of being made in God's image, is set apart from the rest of creation. There's no other part of creation, family, that's made in the image of God. No, 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 no other part of creation that was meant to have the place that man has in relation to God. Now, we see in Romans chapter one, stay with me, we gotta build our theological foundation. We see in Romans chapter one that man, uh, uh, that, that all creation, uh, 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 can can talk about his attributes. Can can kind of proclaim whether the palm trees move, or the or the winds and the waves flow, or 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 or, 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 or whether or whether the, whether the clouds go across the the top skirts of a mountain. Everything is proclaiming the glory of God. Creation can proclaim the glory of God, but but listen, only man can reflect the glory of God. Yeah. That there, there, there's a difference between that. In other words. We we as humans are glory reflectors. We are supposed to, uh, 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 we'll talk about it, image the glory and beauty of the one who created us. That's why he says he's created us in the image and likeness. So in the book of Genesis, there are two terms to describe human beings who in some way reflect the form and the function of the creator. Listen. The form is more likely stressing spiritual rather than physical. The image of God would be the God-given mental and spiritual capacities that, that enable people to relate to God and to serve him in ruling over the created order as his vice regents. So what essentially is, is image and likeness? It says... The text says that he made them male and female. (laughs) In other words, the first thing the image in God has to represent is gender clarity. Gender clarity. In other words, being a man, having manhood clarity at its best, is a way, help me God, to be the foundation for image-bearing. Not only that, not only that, not only that, heat this up for me, not only that, please, (coughs) not only that, but femininity, being a female, authentically female, is the foundation for image-bearing. But not only that, it says he made us in his likeness. What does likeness point to? Representation, (laughs) likeness points to representation because if something's like something, that means that when it goes out, it's mirroring that particular thing and it represents it. And 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 I'll break that down even more in a second. I really want us to get this. I'll talk a little bit about my book, Manhood Restored. Representation, responsibility, relationship, and we'll talk about relative attributes. Representation, responsibility, relationship and re- re- relative attributes. We talked about representation having to do with likeness. <laughs> responsibility now is based on the next part of the verse. Because the next part of the ver- later on in verse 28, it'll talk about be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule, right? So when we, uh, and I'll break those terms down in a second, but, 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 but the responsibility are these things for them to be fruitful, to multiply, to make more, make more images <laughs> through the marital union between a man and a woman, procreation, was one of the ways in which an image bearer bears responsibility, and that doesn't mean you're less of an image bearer if you are reprodu- aren't reproducing. However, that's one of the things that God wanted for man and woman to do all of this points to why we believe this relates to what we're talking about as it pertains to black lives mattering. It says, fill the earth, rule, subdue, right? Relationship, though, goes to Genesis chapter two, verses 15 through 17. Stay with me. Genesis chapter two, verse 15 through 17 is there, why? Because That's when God gave instructions to Adam in how to function in his humanity in the garden. Why is that important? Because that's covenant language. Whenever God gives you ruling instructions, he's cutting a covenant, and that shows you and initiates the fact that you have a relationship with him. That, that, that's the purpose of those verses, in order to initiate relationship and to help him to know you have a relationship with me. And relating to me has responsibilities, and it has representation. If you're gonna represent me, you got It flows from a relationship. That's a whole other situation because that's. I don't know how many messages I've done out of Genesis chapter one, verse twenty-six through twenty-eight. But if you look back to our catalog, you, it's so many different applicational genres that you could pull out of this passage because this, as the law first mentions as we talk about, can apply to so many different things. He said he wants man to rule. This is important. This is a very, very important thing. Because God's purpose in giving humankind his image is that they might rule, listen, the created order On behalf of the heavenly king and his royal court. So that the divine image, that's the image of God in man, however we just defined it, gives humankind the capacity and authority, this is important, to rule over creation. We're gonna come back to that in a second. And so, one of the things that man in his representation, responsibility, and relationship, and uh, oh, I got to go back to relative attributes. When I say relative attributes, what do I mean by that? It's very important, imaging God. God, as you know, my epiphany people, if you've been with us for a while, you know that God has communicable and incommunicable attributes or uh, 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 attributes that are, that, that are his shared and his unshared attributes. His unshared attributes is his omnipotence. His omnipresence, His his omniscience, Those, those 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 are His divine attributes that no one, listen, can share with Him. However, there are attributes that man reflect in his humanity that is a reflection of God's character. It's attributes like love, kindness, gentleness, grace, righteousness, justice, those are attributes that should be uh, intrinsic in all of us in our lives to be able to be a reflection of God. That means God created you to be gracious to people. In other words, uh, God created you to make good decisions. That's justice. Uh, 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 God, 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 uh, God created you uh, uh, as a spiritual being. Why? Because he wanted you connected, connected to him. That's the, the core of the image of God. Stay with me, please, because we're building a good foundation here. And so, and so as we, as we, as we work through this and we talked about ruling, and man and ruling was to manage and govern the entity of planet Earth. <laughs> People, here we are to govern, we were to govern creation. But look at, look at verse 27. <clears throat> look at verse 27. It so said, God. so God created man in his own image. He created him in his image, he created them male and female. He restates it as if it happened, right? He, he restates it as if it happened Then it says in verse 28, it gives us those specific responsibilities that I want to go back over. So God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. When when the Bible says God blessed them, the word blessed here has to do with favor. It means to invoke the divine favor of God on someone, something, or some place, often implying a positive disposition and kind actions towards the recipient. (laughs) In other words, it's not only divine uh, 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 enactment or invoking favor, but it also means to endow something with the capacity to be fruitful with whatever it was blessed to do. So that means God created man with the ability for our lives to take off based on his will and us walking in it so that we would win in every area of life. All human beings. This is all human beings. Not one group of people. That means every human being, although we have different gifts, different talents, uh, different things in our life, born different places, and and different cultural groups will have different specialties and all the different type of things, but we we were endowed with the ability um, uh, 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 and capacity uh, 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 to, to, to maximize and produce what God wanted us to produce now subdue this is an interesting word subdue actually in its what we call lexical form of its main form means to enslave something in other words god god uh, enslave here points to conquer um, it doesn't mean that we have an adversarial relationship with the world, but it means to bring something under one's control for one's advantage. Let's stop here, this is powerful. God said do this to creation, not other humans. (laughs) The idea of subduing, the idea of subduing has to means to bring something under one's control and to take advantage of it for one's advantage, right? Maximize its advantage for God's glory and personal advantage. And so we look at this idea of subduing, we see that people, when people get in power and they don't, and they don't walk in God's principles, they subdue human beings. And so they use, listen, <coughs> they use a God-given ability to a demonic end. God hasn't called us to subdue other human beings, to conquer other human beings. That's, that's not what we're supposed to do. We'll talk about ultimately what we're supposed to do as it relates to human flourishing. This idea in subduing the earth was to make room for all humans to flourish. That's why the divine image was supposed to be reproduced, because everyone was supposed to equally flourish under God, reflecting God, relating to God, being responsible for God, having a relationship with God, and reflecting and showing off his relative attributes globally. That's what was supposed to happen. The earth was supposed to be filled with God glorifying human beings. That is important for us to understand. So what are the origins of Black Lives Matter? I know everybody's always talking about, you know, people are coming on the internet talking about, I don't think Christians should use Black Lives Matter. I heard one pastor um, talk about it and he was talking about, you know, the fact that Black Lives Matter, they, you know, they're Marxists and which, which some of them may pro- proclaim Marxist disposition. They talk about the fact that they're LGBTQ and, and promote that. Well, the organization did not start. The, uh, the Black Lives Matter didn't start with the organization. It started with the hashtag in response to Black life being lost. And so that hashtag, if you look back in 2013 when it first came out, if you can even find the first like few hashtags of it, in the beginning, had nothing to do with the organization. The organization did start later and, and hijacked, I would say, the narrative of that and creating a narrative of what they would believe, listen, what they would believe Black Lives mattering look like. <laughs> and there's some things with the movement that I would say don't, don't come against human flourishing of all people. I think that there are things within it that I have to part with, so when I say, Black Lives Matter, I'm not supporting the Black Lives Matter organization. I'm supporting black life. There is no, there are a lot of leaders out there that would say, even not even Christian, that would say, when I say Black Lives Matter, I'm not talking about the organization, I'm talking about actual black lives, right? And so in that response to the tragedy, we have to recognize that the hashtag became a movement. It became a movement that the church should sort have of started, by the way. The, the, the group that should have said, your theology should have said and taught you and influenced you to say black lives matter without assessing, what do you mean by that? That doesn't make any kind of sense. Someone say, well, doesn't all lives matter? You don't say that about abortion. We don't, we don't say that when something's going on overseas and we want to jump on it. They go over there and work, white folk will go over there and work on stuff, and they'll say, bring, we want to bring this to this attention. These lives of these people matter. Matter of fact, I see a commercial every now and then, and I'll see these sad animal faces. You ever seen the animal faces? You know, the dog and the kitty cat, and they, they all looking, you know, not looking great. And it be a, it's a commercial. It, look at me, look at me. It's a doggone commercial about animals being taken in because their lives matter. Nobody's on there talking about, well, what about the whales? They're, no, when the kitty cats and the dogs is on there, you're trying to focus on the kitty cats and dogs because that's the group you wanna shine attention on that needs to be helped. Now, I would say, that white culture in general has done better at showing that animal lives matter more than black lives. And when we work through this, we've seen in history that saying black lives matter is nothing but another incarnation of other things that we've said. What have we said? I'm black and I'm proud, say it louder. It's no different, no different. And so one of the things that I want us to do is to show the incongruent ways in which white Christians say one thing because Black Lives Matter is a lightning rod for white fragility and loss of privilege that causes people to philosophically not even see that what they say doesn't even make any kind of sense. When you say Black Lives Matter means you support everything about Black Lives Matter, then why why do you use the word conservative? The word conservative, guess what it means? Adverse to change or innovation. (laughs) So are you saying that change and innovation is it, it, not is 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 a, is a part of what you believe? No, you would say no conservative, and you would begin to define it in a different way than secular society would hold it. Even conservative points to holding traditional uh, 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 traditional values. The question is, who's defining the traditional values? Because whoever's defining the traditional values, you have to submit to what they say traditional values are. And the question is, do those traditional values help everyone flourish or just you flourish? The idea of liberal, I don't even know what liberal means anymore, okay? And it's funny, I heard one, one, one a friend of mine was telling me how, how another Christian leader said, Christian leader that you know, has issues with the Black Lives Matter mantra, he, uh, this leader said, when it comes to Trump, I separate the man from his politics. So how are you able to separate the man from his politics and say, I I like his politics, whatever that means, but I'm not gonna pull up his character. And the problem with that is, is we're saying the same thing. We, We extract out of Black Lives Matter the negative things that aren't a reflection of what we would say is biblical and truthful, but what we do is we use it for the core tenets of what Genesis chapter one verses 26 through 28 help us to understand about all humans and human flourishing. So the Bible and the black image. The Bible has a lot to say about the ba- the black image. When whenever you hear the Bible say Cush, that shows up in the first book of the Bible. Cush means black, Negro, chocolateized, melanated, all of that good stuff. Ethiopian or Abyssinian, in its original, uh, the Ethiopians of today aren't the Ethiopians of the past. And Ethiopia is talked about a ton. As a matter of fact, in the, in, in the book of, uh, of Isaiah, they are ta- when, when you hear about Egypt, really you're t- it's talking about Ethiopia or Nubia. Why? Because um, during the 25th dynasty, I'm, I'm getting all nerd on you right now, but in the 25th dynasty of Egypt, um, th- th- those were ran by dark skinned pharaohs who were from Nubia. That's a whole nother thing. Uh-uh, Nubian in the Bible, they translate out Nubia. I don't have time to go through it, but they translate out Nubia in certain places so that you won't know that dark skinned people are there. Old Testament people groups all over the place, you see it. In the book of Acts, you see it. For, uh, but, but the way God does it is to show the purpose of all nations. Nimrod. Guess what color he was? His daddy was Kush, <laughs> Zipporah. She, 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 was, she was a chocolatized, melanated sister from Egypt. Yep, yeah, she was. We'll see why in a minute. Simon of Serene. he was a Serenian Jew, that's modern day Libya. Solomon's Egyptian wife calls herself dark in Song of Solomon, 1-5. <laughs> Simeon, or Simon of Niger in Acts 2, 13 means Simon who's a black dude. The Ethiopian eunuch is actually from Aksum, which is a black, a dark black man. If I see one more picture, uh, uh, help me today. Help me today, right? Israelites living in the Middle East were not white people. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Israelites living in the Middle East family was not white people. Pastor, why are you sing all this? Why does color matter? We'll, we'll see in a second. Jesus was not a white guy with blonde flowing hair and bangs and laid edges. Walking around with with clean clothes on. He was a carpenter and he walked in desert lands. His feet were dirty, his hands were dirty. They 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 didn't have washing hand stations everywhere. He probably he probably from 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 working he probably was in pretty good shape as a carpentry back then they, their tools was different than ours you understand what I'm saying and he and he worked in the sun a lot so he was already a person of color but I'm not saying he was a black a blackety black West African that's not what I'm saying but when I, you're saying why why are you talking about all this because whites have shown that they don't believe Black Lives Matter because you colored everything white. Bathsheba's white. How is she white, man? How, how, the, how people from the Middle East white? How Jesus white? How all the Israelites white? How is Paul mistaken as an Egyptian in the book of Acts? And, you, and y'all, I, I mean, y'all make him a straight-up European white man. To me, that is absolute that's absolutely mind-boggling in our culture. You, you, whenever you paint your culture as primary, and you don't see it that way, because of the surrounding things that we already experience as believers, as black believers, we see it every day. The church fathers. Many of them were North African, people of color. Irenaeus. Augustine, possibly. Origen, definitely. Athanasius, Shenouda of a tree. Bacomius. George and St. Anthony, all of these different church fathers were dark-skinned or brown people or people of color of some type. So what the ways has the world tried to destroy the image, the black image, and saying black lives don't matter? Why do we say this anyway? Slavery, maybe that. Maybe Jim Crow. Maybe the justice system. Maybe theology like the church has the curse of Ham, right? Maybe systemic injustice. Maybe translating out and ignoring black presence in the Bible. Maybe being a uh, complicit in racism. I'm just to name a few. Maybe like slave patrols. Maybe segregated church. Maybe the destruction of black wealth building. Maybe bringing drugs and guns into the black community in the 80s. I mean, maybe. I, I, I don't know. Whites creating private Christian schools after schools were desegregated. Did y'all know that? That the Christian private school isn't rooted in Christians trying to give Christian education to their school, to their children. It's rooted in the 50s uh, 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 of white people wanting their kids not to go to school with Negroes. That's where the privatized Christian school comes from. Killing unarmed black people, weaponizing whiteness through Karens and different things. And not only that denial of access to evangelical seminaries until 50 years ago. I can name even more. So what is the result of these things? Blacks have had, many of us have had responses, some good, some bad, some not great, and some just short. Black liberation theology, Pan-Africanism, which started in the church, Afrocentrism, black religious cults and ideologies. The black church comes out of your rejection of the black image and black people. Distrust of anything white and a highly racialized society. So ways in which black, this is what's beautiful about this, what I love about this, is that we as African Americans did not allow the oppression, suppression and repression to stop us from imaging God's glory. What's interesting, what's interesting is it actually was the crucible for us to become better. Now, I'm not affirming what you did, but I'm letting you know what you did, what your ancestors did. Listen, didn't stop what God wanted to do in our lives because when God is in someone's life, they can still flourish even if they're being oppressed. The black church, one of the greatest institutions You young folk need to learn about the black church. You need to learn about what the black church did in spite of the oppression that happened in this country. You need to know that many of us don't know that there were banks that were created because of the oppression that was happening and our inability to be able to experience that. We understood that our lives matter, so we said we gotta create our own banks. When we weren't getting educated, schools were starting in the basement Uh, 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 of similar, that's why you have Lincoln and Cheney down the street, (laughs) you got Delaware State, (laughs) you got Bowie State University, you got Howard University, you got Hampton University, you got Maryland Eastern Shore, you got Morgan, you got Coppin, you got Morehouse, you got Spelman. no black church, no Tuskegee, none of them things would exist without the black church. Why? Because we have, why is this all important? Because we've had to fight for our own dignity without the help of our brothers. Now, I know someone is going to bring up those who help start movements and help with different things, but but I'm trying to tell you that this has been a very, very important thing for us to say. Black inventions, I can go down a list of those, creating our own sustaining communities. And listen, even in poor black communities, (coughs) something goes on in us because God and Ecclesiastes put eternity in our hearts. And guess what we do, even as poor black kids? We try to find ways to affirm our own dignity. Listen, we didn't have basketball courts, but guess what? We went to the store and we got a milk crate. Kicked the bottom out of it and nailed it to the telephone pole and figured out a way to, if we didn't get a basketball, we got one of those little 25-cent balls uh, from from the grocery store. They may be light and we would just throw them in there and figure it out. (laughs) We would make footballs out of Reynolds wrap to do throw-up tackle. See, I know none of y'all don't know nothing about that. Girls would use old, old, old wire for double dutch. See, some of y'all don't even know what double dutch is. Painting graffiti on a wall to beautify our community because the city neglected it. Listen, listen, even the poor try to figure out in the cracks and crevices ways to communicate that their lives matter. So what I mean when I say black lives matter? This is what I mean. Value my humanity as God created it to be. Blacks are image bearers too. Blacks must be treated with equal value globally in every society. Blacks must be allowed the same human flourishing opportunities that God made for all men. We must have the same human flourishing opportunity. Where is this in the Bible, Dr. Mason? Ephesians chapter 5, 16. It calls us to redeem the times. It calls us to take things in culture, recycle them and use them to the glory of God. Not only that, Colossians 3.20 tells me that Jesus Christ is reconciling all things to himself. That means he's bringing everything, Christ is bringing everything under his rulership. And, and listen, black people, while we're affirming our dignity, let's be careful of over-exalting our blackness. I don't believe there's anything called black supremacy because I think it's impossible to be a black racist or black supremacist if you're not in power. However, we got to be careful that we don't deify our blackness, but value it through the lens of God's creation of our blackness to bring our blackness under Jesus Christ. That's very important. Not only that, we see the Bible utilizes ways of doing this, of redeeming and reconciling stuff. from genres of the Bible to images in the Bible. God always intended to redeem culture. You look at the language, you look at the kingdom engagement for love and promoting human flourishing, all those different things in the Bible, the way the form of the Bible was written in, the different genres that was written in, shows you that Christ wants to reconcile all things to himself. So we need to actively promote human flourishing among black people. We need to promote human flourishing in our spirituality in Jesus. We need to promote human flourishing economically. We need to promote human flourishing socially, politically, emotionally, intellectually, educationally, psychologically. In every area of life, we need to do this. And so I use Black Lives Matter because I believe it sums up the call for the Imago Day to be applied to black life in the racial justice conversation. And don't forget, y'all, Like I said last week, if Jesus can redeem the cross that was an image (laughs) of capital punishment, why can't I redeem a term that's used and hijacked as a Marxist and gender plurality and against even, I would say against the nuclear family. It's being used as a tool Against the nuclear family, the biblical—I I used to like the way Pastor Cherry used to call it—the hundredfold family. Pastor Cherry used to say that the hundredfold, meaning God's ordained way. And so we, we, we listen. Let me tell you something. I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe He died on the cross for our sins. I'm not saved by anything else but Him. All right, you got that? You, you see that right there? I, I believe. I, I, I believe that abortion is wrong. You got it. Guess what else? I. I, I also listen. I also believe that marriage is between one man and one woman, one man and one woman, okay? So what else you would've asked me? Have I left the faith? No, I'm promoting it. And so I'm done. The gospel, the scriptures, national revelation and special revelation all calls us to the great and mighty call to honor God and saying that black lives matter. This is, I just, I mean, I barely scratched the surface, but I tried to give us as much as possible for us to see that Christ's death on the cross, because he made a people from all people, let you know that all lives matter, but not only that all lives matter, because when one is subjected to not believe, being seen as mattering, Christ affirms this specifically by saying you matter. Black people, I want to tell you right now, you matter because Christ died for you to matter. God created you to matter. He was raised up from the grave to his honor and to his glory. And one of the applications of it is to show that we matter. Let's get to work. Stop arguing. I'm out.